Welcome to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're like me and you've ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your professional life or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest has more than 30 years' experience in the digital technology industry and is possibly the most noted global expert in digital asset and media management, what we call DAM. She advises clients in the DAM marketplace, data orchestration, creative operations, content supply chain, and MarTech stack strategy. She also supports the sustainability of digital stewardship and best practices, something that is often overlooked and is so critical to success in the long term. She is the author of the definitive book on managing media and digital marketing assets called Digital and Marketing Asset Management, The Real Story of DAM, Technology and Practice a sought-after MarTech industry speaker, and serves as a DAM industry liaison and lecturer in the Digital Media Master's Program at King's College in London. Like I said, I can't think of anybody else who knows more about the DAM space than our guest does. A graduate of the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth's Executive MBA Program, she holds degrees in linguistics, journalism, and French language from Boston College and L'Université Stédale in France and Richmond College in the United Kingdom. She uprooted her life a few years ago to fulfill a dream and is now based in London, an avid traveler and adventurer. She can often be found not in London, skiing, hiking, and taking in local theater, music, and art productions. Welcome, Teresa Wrigley. Hello. Thank you for having me, Kathy. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. I, I mean, I love all of my guests, but when I get to uh, have a friend on as well and have uh, a, you know a really good conversation, especially in yes. these times, considering you're six hours ahead of where I am, um, this sure. is amazing. So, I mean, that was strictly the highlight reel of, of who you are. Maybe you can tell our listeners just a little bit more about you and, and what you do. Sure. Um, my gosh, sometimes when you hear your own bio, it's it's almost overwhelming. Um, and I, I, I think I forgot about some of those things that, that you read. Um, well, I, I, I spend my day-to-day life uh, helping people, is what I like to say. Um, helping them figure out technology, understand technology, uh, and install, set up, and better adopt technology in their organizations. Uh, so that's, that's sort of a, maybe a, a, a gentler way to say it, or a a more helpful way to say it. Um, so that's really my my day to day. That's what I do for a living. Well, for those of us who are the technology geeks, um, we love doing it. It it may not be uh, you know curing cancer, but it's certainly you know. I said that to a client once. I said, you know, they're like, oh, you know, so thank you so much. You've helped so much. I'm like, well, we're you know, I'm so glad I can help you. I, you know, hopefully it it makes a change. She goes, you have no idea the impact this has. So I think sometimes Perfect. we don't understand. It may seem you know, not as important as other jobs, but when we are helping people choose the right technologies to use in their business and then to adopt and implement them, which sometimes are overlooked as part of the process, we are really making a difference. Um, Absolutely. So kudos to you on that. Thank you. All right. I always ask my guests the first four questions. So if you are ready to go, we'll get into those. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. So what was the first career you remember wanting to do when you grew up? So I really wanted to be an astronomer. Uh, and when I was about seven or eight years old, my mother bought a telescope for me and, uh, I was obsessed with the sky and the stars. And I think that was my first foray into really wondering about how things work, uh, and, and science, you know, I was really interested in science and, uh, mysteries of the universe, so to speak. So, uh, I spent a lot of time watching 
Cosmos, uh, which was the Carl Sagan um, series. And I just loved going out and looking at the stars and using my telescope and trying to understand the way the universe works. And as a side uh, comment to that, um, I recently took a class in astrophysics. So I have not abandoned um, my interest in the stars. Well, uh, so for our, our audience, Teresa is about to take a very well-earned extended holiday um, to the other um, half of the world. So you will be seeing stars from a new way soon, which Correct. will be exciting. They'll be, they'll be upside down. Yes. Yeah. Going, to <laughs> going to Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and yeah, they'll be upside down. I, I have been down there before. Um, and some of the most amazing, of course, you know, things that you can experience in life is when something is completely not the way you're used to seeing them. Right. And yep. so uh, you sort of think about the constellations and you realize, Oh, the constellations, as we learned them in the books were all based on people being in the Northern hemisphere. And then you go down to the Southern hemisphere and the world is very different. So very, very different. Yes. So that will be exciting. That's right. Who was the first big influencer you remember on your life? Yeah, so I would definitely say my oldest brother. Um, so I'm the youngest of three, and my eldest brother is seven years older than me. And uh, I always remember just uh, he he was always taking things apart and putting them back together. Uh, and uh, I have some of the earliest memories of him taking apart our Atari 2600 uh, machine. He loved to take it apart. He loved to look at all the parts within it and... Uh, try to understand how it worked. And then he would put things together and he was always doing that in our house. So I always remember things just laying around like parts strewn everywhere and him assembling things back together. And uh, that was definitely a huge influence on me because it, it, you know, you can't just judge anything by it, by its cover. And there's always something inside, you know, whether it's a, whether it's a piece of technology or a piece of hardware, or a piece of software or a person, right. Everything has its inner workings um, and everything uh, has different sort of layers of that, that uh, onion that you can peel to understand. So I would definitely say my brother, uh, my eldest brother, and he, you know, today he's, he's a true expert in artificial intelligence to the point where he's now, you know, at the white house advising on, you know, the AI, <laughs> the AI intelligence committee. So, uh, he's, he's definitely been a huge influence on me, um, from a very young age until today. So your whole family are just like super smart. Is, uh, is that what I'm taking from this? <laughs> I joke, you know, I often joke that I'm the underachiever of my family, um, which- Oh, good God. <laughs> which, you know, I, I'm the only one without a PhD, although that might change in future years. Um, and and uh, yeah, I, mean, I, have, I have another brother who's, who's also brilliant. Um, it was also a huge influence on me. And, um, you know, he, he's got an incredible career as well. So and my, my mother has two master's degrees and, you know, was a teacher for 38 years. Uh, you know, so I could talk about my father as well, but, I'll, but yes, I mean, I, I, I'm really lucky to have come from a family that was, um, extremely well-educated, but, but also just a lot of very smart people. And, uh, it's not just my immediate family, it's also my, my extended family was, uh, really a lot of entrepreneurial, um, highly educated and smart people. So that, that obviously had a lot of influence on me. Well, we'll dig into perhaps how that drove your success yeah. and your whatnot when we get, when sure. we get into it, but okay. Is there a song that epitomizes your career path or one maybe that you're sort of connecting with of late? Yeah, I was, I was glad that, um, that, that this particular question you, you let me know about because, um, I, I, I had to think about it and, uh, you know, my favorite, my favorite artist is, uh, Peter Gabriel and I've been really, uh, I love his new album. Um, you know, he's 73 years old and he's 
done you know what many are calling the best work of his career there was a there was a review that came out um in the observer here in the uk a, a couple of weeks ago to saying that you know it was five star reviews one of the greatest works and so i was i often listen to his music and and i was thinking back actually to a song from one of his earliest solo uh albums which was just, just called diy which of course is do it yourself uh and it is it's a very sort of defiant song that is about uh you know, it's just just taking taking action. You know, and just to stop stop sort of um, expecting somebody else to do things. <laughs> just just do DIY, do it yourself, do it yourself. And it's also it's also just a very very defiant song because people are are kind of contrary, you know, to him in the song. And it's almost like this dialogue with uh, with the world. And I and I and I find that I'm inherently a skeptic, and I think that's the case with with my career as well. Um, we're surrounded by you know, when the, especially in the marketing technology industry, we're surrounded by lots of promises and a lot of right. uh, unrealistic expectations. And um, I think with everybody has to take that personal sense of responsibility. You have to you have to do some things yourself, whether it's in your own your own job, your own career, your own industry. But definitely for me, I think more and more as I've moved on, it's been all about DIY. Like I've got to do it myself. I've got to get it done. Excellent, love it. Yeah. And what are three words that you would use to describe you and or your career? So in thinking about my career, I, I, I often uh, think it was extraordinarily well-timed. Um, and when I say that, it's because I, so I finished, uh, I finished college slash university in 1995. So um, think about what was happening in 1995, right? It was um, when the World Wide Web was a relatively new thing. Um, I had my, my internship, uh, my senior of, of, of college where uh, I was working in a newspaper and all of a sudden everybody started to talk about these things called websites and the internet. And, um, you know, Amazon, uh, was a, was a brand new company. And I, I actually remember buying, you know, books on, on Amazon very early on. So that whole, um, being, being, uh, entering my career, my career starting at a time when the internet was new and exciting and you, no one had the experience that it took to have an internet career. Right. So, um, there was tons of investment in the internet early on. I was able to um, take advantage of the timing of that. Uh, and that was, I think, hugely influential and, and um, frankly, beneficial to me because I was, I, I came into working at the, at the right time. Um, I think my career has been very curiosity driven, you know, going back to my first desire to be um, an astronomer, I'm, I'm extremely interested in how things work, you know, and, I, I don't accept if I don't understand how something works uh, and, and I have to continue to read about it and I have to research it and I have to investigate it and I have to test it. And I have to keep getting under, under the hood uh, or under the bonnet, as we say here in the UK, uh, you know, to really understand, you know, why does this work the way it does? And, and I don't settle until I understand the way it works because I can, I consider part of my responsibility to help my clients understand the way something right. works. So, so I would say very curiosity driven, um, and it's also, I would say my career has been borderless, which has been awesome and spectacular. Uh, the idea that people today think they can build a great career, um, sitting in their home office and not going anywhere, I think is just unfortunate. And I mean, I, pr I probably could use a stronger word, but, but I think, you know, for me, um, it, it, it's, it was about getting out and uh, wherever the opportunity was, I went um, and I, and I, I, or I, I got in the car or I got on the plane or I took the passport and I went to where it was. And 
And that was even if my own company wasn't funding it, you know, um, I, I took on debt myself uh, to go to when I was very young, um, I, I paid for travel to conferences and I went and spoke and I went and got to know people. And I, uh, I basically spent all of my late 20s and 30s just jetting around and building um, a network, which continues to pay off today, you know. Um, so some of the people I still work with, I met 25 years ago. So right. I think that 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 borderless nature to just go wherever the opportunity is um, to, to pack the suitcase, to grab the passport and just go. Uh, it was, is definitely epitomized in my career. I love that. Uh, and I mean, it's so interesting how back then to be sent to a conference was like this really big thing and they yeah. made it like, it was a big deal, right? Like, Oh my God, look at the investment we're making in you. And yeah. you know, it's as if they were doing you a favor yeah. when you're going there to learn and bring back information and, and keep up with, with others and how that whole thing has flipped around to where there was a time before, you know, what I call the never time, um, where everybody hopped on a plane and went to pretty much every conference. And I mean, that's the nature of our work is we spend half of our time going to places, being told promises that may or may not be true. Yeah. Um, and now people have stepped back from that again, mm -hmm. right? So we got shut down and couldn't go and there is a large faction who have decided not to re-engage on that front. Yeah. Yes, right? that's true. Or they're just more selective. I mean, I'll say, I'll put myself in my that Absolutely. category. I, I'm, I used to go to 12, 15 events a year or sometimes, you know, between client, you know, it would be attached to a client visit or something like that. But I would say um, today I'm, I, I go less, but that's more because uh, fortunately I'm so busy with work, <laughs> you yeah. know, so, so I think that's an, that's an advantage. Um, is I can, I can be selective now 30 years into my career, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and just go where, uh, where I, I know that there's going to be people that I want to meet, or I, I, I do it deliberately because I know my clients are going to be there, you know, people right. I'm already working with, and it's an opportunity to connect with them, you know, in person and, and, and have a dinner with them and break bread together and have that in-person conversation that, um, is, is really valued. Um, but if I was, uh, if it was 25 years ago and I was building my career, I would, I, you know, it's much more important to go to more of these events and to, and to have that network. Uh, I, I, I'm a real, I, I'm a real believer that you can't just build networks, you know, real professional contacts, um, just on the internet online, which is ironic because yep. I'm in an internet career, but that's, <laughs> that's still, that's definitely how I feel about it. So, so that's really insightful for how you've built the network that you have, because you do, you can't, you know, you and I work in the same space and, I can't go to any kind of conference that has anything to do with digital asset management with DAM. And if your name is dropped, everybody knows who you are. Like, that's just the way it is, right? It's, and you've worked really hard at it and you've earned it and it's amazing. But I'd love to hear, so you, you know, you, you were part of a, a founding or a company for a long time. You changed, you know, you, you left that, you up your, your world, you just like, psh, and moved it across the pond. Um, I know that was something we've, we've talked about. It was something that you'd always wanted to do was live over, over in Europe and whatnot. So, but I'd love to hear, like, what did you, what we, what did you do? What did you go in expecting as part of that move from the U S to the UK? What surprised you? Like, how did that all go down? Well, I would say it's one of the few times that I was really stressed in my life. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not really somebody who, uh, uh, 
I mean, I would say I'm not, I'm not exactly a calm person, but I don't, I don't tend to let stress get to me. But I mean, I felt all of those, you know, sort of physical and mental responses to stress. Um, but I was going through a lot of, a lot of things in my personal life that I won't get into, but also, you know, my father died around the same time. And um, it was, I just decided to make a whole lot of um, changes, you know, and, and I think you realize in, in work and in a career, um, until you decide to go off on your own, um, or if you, you know, can go off on your own uh, until that point, you're always going to be, um, doing what other people think you should do generally. Right. And, and oftentimes you're, you're part of some kind of, uh, structure that has to be adhered to. And, you know, even if, even if you are a leader in a company, you've got other executives or you have other business partners that, have very firm ideas and you always have to, you always have to come to compromises. And, and perhaps I, I am just, I, in many ways, I'm not a very compromising person. I'll admit it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I sort of decided um, that I just wanted to, to have my, my own 100%, my own company and, and, and own it myself and do my own thing and focus just on what I love doing, which was really working with, with, with clients to help them, to help them be successful. And, um, I decided to pick up and go to the UK because speaking of the borderless word, uh, I had been coming to the UK a lot. One of my prior companies was acquired by a UK company and I, I had, I had come over here a lot. I spoke at a lot of conferences this year. And for some reason, every time I came here, I got another client or I got some other contact that was, was hugely, um, successful for me or, or effective for me. And I just had so much work over here that I thought, well, I've always wanted to move to the other side of the pond and I've always wanted to live over there. So I might as well, I might, this is the time, you know, I had so many yep. other things changing my life. I said, well, I might as well just, I might as well just go for it. So, um, I mean, it was an extreme, it was 2017, um, which I call the vintage of my new life, 2017. Um, nice. and I, I, I started stocking up on wine from that year, you know, all these kinds of things where I just thought it was almost like some people give birth to a child. I felt like it was like my new life, you know? So, um, it was, it was stressful. It was a bit scary. You know, I was, I was uh, giving up selling everything in America. I was buying, putting all my savings into a flat in London, which of course was not an you know, inexpensive endeavor. Uh, and, and just starting up a business and um, figuring out how to get my visa, figuring out how to live here, uh, figuring out all the ins and outs. And um, fortunately, you know, I already had the network. So to go back to that point, when I, when I, bought my place here and I established my company here. Uh, I sent out a message on LinkedIn. There was about, I had about 230 contacts here already here in London. And I, and I just said, I'm here, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm building a company here. Uh, and I, I, within a month I had three contracts, you know, so, so that, um, that network and that immediately started to just sort of allay my, my stress, you know, is the fact that, Oh, I, I, I came to somewhere where I had a network. I also already had friends here, which helped of course, but that really, um, it snowballed so quickly uh, from there. You know, once more and more people knew I was here, um, you know, King's College found that I was here and they had my book on the curriculum and I started teaching there. You know, so, so it just snowballs, you know, it just snowballs. But it was a very stressful transition when you decide to go into business for yourself, move to another country, <laughs> figure all that stuff out at once. Yes, it was stressful, but it's all worked out for the best. So was there... I mean, you talked about, and, and I know the, the backstory on there was a lot of stuff going on for you personally, but was there a defining moment, a decision, something that really either significantly impacted the overall tra trajectory of your professional life or that final, that last little nudge that you needed to make that decision to go, okay, I'm off to England? 
Um, you know, I don't know if it was one thing so much as uh, just that I, I just wanted to completely 100% do, you know, have my own business, like alone, by myself. Yep. And I think I also wanted to prove to myself that I could make more money on my own than I could working for somebody else or with somebody else or, uh, you know, or being compromised by someone else's, um, some other company's rules, <laughs> you know? So right. I think that, that was, was part of it. Uh, just to see if I could do it. I wanted to prove it to myself. And I think I always had two things in my mind, which was, I wasn't going to be happy in my life or my career. If a, I didn't have my own business and prove that I could to myself that I could be successful on my own. Um, and B, if I didn't move to Europe, like, and, and those two things were, and I debated, actually, I was considering, I debated between Paris and London because I, I, I have family in France. I speak French, you know, I had done business. I had done quite a bit of business in France as well. Um, but you know, the decision ultimately came to London because I already had, I had the bigger, I had the bigger professional network here. Right. Um, and then I applied for a visa here. I applied for a technology entrepreneur visa and they had wonderful, um, they had wonderful programs uh, you know, this is the other thing you have to do is you, you got to ask your network and be resourceful. And, and um, a, a very good friend of mine, Brendan Quinn, who now runs the IPTC uh, metadata um, standard, he's a managing director there. You know, he, he told me about this visa program. He said, you should don't apply for the regular visa. He said, you apply as a, a technology entrepreneur. They want to bring technology talent here. So when I got that visa, that, that really sort of tipped it all where I said, okay, you know, London it is, I'm, I'm going. There. So yeah. very smart. That's amazing. Was there anything that surprised you? Was there, was it, you know, from a mindset perspective, I always find things different, right? And being Canadian, even going to the States, obviously there's a little bit of a difference, but I go to Europe, whether it's London or Paris or, or wherever it is. And there's just this, there's a, there's a different approach, a different philosophy. I certainly don't feel the same kind of judgment as a woman in technology there, as I do in North America. And maybe that's me. Maybe I'm, I don't know, projecting or whatever. But did you find, was it easier for you, do you think, doing it in a brand new place, doing things differently, having to, you know, having that opportunity to change, not who you are, because you're an amazing person. But I mean, I remember bumping into you, I think it was at, um, well, I know it was at um, Henry Stewart in New York, and you had on this red dress, and I don't think I'd ever seen you in this bright, bold color. Mm. And it just, you were, it was, you were different. Like it was like, wow. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. you know, did moving across the pond let you do a little more, lean into that yeah. a little bit more? I definitely went way more bold. I yeah. went way, way more bold when I got over here. I used to always wear black and uh, I, I used to, you know, dress in sort of male like suits, uh, you know, for, for much of my career. I think especially when I was younger. I, I, I sort of thought, uh, well, I, you know, I need to, I need to look professional. So I have to wear like, you know, the, almost like the Hillary Clinton pantsuit kind of look, you know, that I just, right. it's just, just sort of what I thought, but no, when I moved over here, um, I definitely got bolder. I, I don't wear black anymore. <laughs> you know, I just, I went colorful and that was, I, I, I met some incredible, um, uh, well, I mean, I could talk about some amazing professional women, of course, that have been my mentors and, and friends over the years. Um, but you know, what, one of my, first professional mentors who, who hired me 25 years ago 
who's still a good friend of mine today. Um, her name's Margaret Heffernan, and, and you should you know read her business books. She's an amazing um, woman CEO and professor, and, and now she writes for many of the leading UK publications about business. Um, has written a lot about women in business, um, so definitely worth reading. And uh, she's a very bold dresser as well, you know. She, and, I, and so I always used to watch her come in with these, you know, into the office when I did work for her. She wore, wore these amazing um, outfits. But I also had the influence here. Um, I decided to just kind of redo my image, uh, you know, when I when I came over, and I I, I got a personal shopper, um, and she was a, she was fabulous. I mean, she still is, you know, and um, uh, because I realized that I wasn't the best judgment for myself in terms of what I, what to, what to wear and how to stand out and how to be bold and how to, uh, you know, stop wearing black and sort of blend into the background. Right. Which is, which is never, um, the best thing to do. So, uh, yeah, I went and got a sort of palette, you know, analysis and, uh, you know, in terms of the, the colors that I looked best in and, uh, went shopping, you know, and it was, it was great. I also got very fit during the pandemic, which helped as well. Um, you know, I felt more physically confident, uh, you know, from, from working out and just giving myself, doing the self-care thing, you know, as we say. Um, and so that helped as well. I, I, I enjoyed going shopping. I enjoyed wearing dresses. I felt better as I was wearing them. And so I started wearing dresses. Now, whenever I go on stage, I wear a dress. That's my rule. Always wear a yep. dress, always be colorful. So that's what I do. Nice. Yeah. So I do have to ask you before we get on to the next bit is you also took up something else during the pandemic. A large string instrument, I believe. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I did. I the did. The cello? Are you still playing? Oh, yes, I did. I bought a cello the week before lockdown, uh, lockdown number one, uh, because there was two things. When when it was obvious where the world was going um, and that we were going to go into lockdowns, and I thought, oh, my gosh, all this time I spend on planes and trains and automobiles and traveling, I thought, what am I, what am I, what am I going to do? And so I, I decided two things. Um I was going to spend the time that I spent commuting, uh, working out and doing something creative. And uh, so that's what I did. I ended up jogging probably 40 to 45 minutes every day during the lockdowns because in the UK, we were only allowed outside for an hour. Yep. So, so that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, so I either, I either got on the bike or um, went jogging and then I bought a cello. And so generally the time that I would have spent commuting in the morning, I did fitness things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the evening I played the cello for an hour, uh, nice. and I, I, I took, uh, online YouTube lessons. I, you know, was reading again, how does it work? You know, how does, how does something work? So I, I read a lot. I took voracious, um, uh, you know, books about it and I was reading and reading, reading. So I, I learned how to play uh, a lot of sort of simple songs. Um, but then admittedly, when the world started opening back up, I, 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 I wasn't playing it as much anymore. Yeah. So unfortunately, um, I've lost a lot of it, but I, I still have, you know, it was a new skill and it was a new experience and, and it, it opened my brain in new ways. And at the same time I was studying for the British citizenship test. So I learned how to play like God save the queen, you know? So I kind of, I, t- I took it as a good for you, different, yep. um, you know, a way to use my brain. And I'm, and yeah. I think that's something that is always really important as well in life as well as careers is do different things that help you help you learn your uh, use your brain in, in new ways. Um, but this is something that music uh, is something I love and that I'm very passionate about. And I spend a lot of my leisure time on musical things. So yes, yeah. but that was, that was what I decided to do during lockdown. That's very cool. I, when I saw that, I was like, Oh my God, my husband <laughs> would kill me, but Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I played pretty bad, but um, yeah. 
it's that's okay. learn, right? We all have to make mistakes in order to learn. <laughs> exactly. So from um, what you do today, and I mean, you've, you've had a pretty, like your career has been focused in digital technology, MarTech, DAM for, for, for a long time, but how has your role changed now that you're doing it for yourself? You get to choose who you work with and and whatnot. Is it different things that get you up in the morning? What are some of the challenges or compromises that you're, you're, you're dealing with now versus maybe, you know, even 15 years ago? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a lot to unpack in that question. Um, I mean, I would say what gets me up in the morning is uh, I, I I generally just want to help people be successful. Uh, that is my my primary driver. It's I, I'm actually not super interested in the technology anymore. I have to be completely honest. <laughs> you know, I think when you've been when you've been especially with with digital asset management specifically, when you know I've been focused on that for twenty or so years. You know, and before that, other parts of digital technology, but. The technology actually hasn't changed that much. I mean, yeah. obviously the, the the new developments in AI and some other areas are, are interesting, but um, I think what's what's most interesting is is uh, is the way people think and and the way dynamic social dynamics works and organizational dynamics work and and how to um, how to help people uh, be persuasive in their organizations, how to how to help them um, have better relationships in their organizations, and I find. A lot of my job is like therapy uh, because I have a lot of one-on-one relationships with my clients. Most of my calls are not big group calls anymore. Um, people have me on retainers for certain amounts of hours every month, and they and they just want to talk through their challenges and they want suggestions. And then sometimes I bring other people in, and then it becomes a group call. But yeah, uh, what that's what really gets me up in the morning uh, is is helping people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yes, of course, there's really interesting technological developments every once in a while. And then I want to pursue that. I want to help. Um, I want to help people understand those. And, and I really do like to learn. So that gets me out of bed as well. Um, but I, I would say that what's different now versus, you know, maybe 20 years ago is uh, I don't worry anymore. You know, <laughs> I think when you're when you're young and you're in your career and you're starting out or you're trying to get ahead, all those sorts of words like. I, I don't, I don't have to worry about, um, you know, is business going to be okay? Am I, right. you know, and, I, and, I, and I'm lucky. I mean, I was looking at a thread today about people getting laid off, you know, December, it's the worst time, right. You know, to, yep. to job. and I, I'm, I'm lucky that I, that I, that I, I'm extremely, whatever you want to use, blessed, fortunate, <laughs> lucky, yeah. you know, whatever, um, that, that my hard work, uh, has paid off and that I, and, and business does come to me and I, and I have wonderful clients. So I'd say I don't have to worry and I can just, I, I, and I never have to bullshit. Like I can just be completely open with people. I can be realistic with people. And sometimes if I know I'm going to get somebody upset with what I'm saying, I say, well, you know, if they, if they're, if they don't want to work with me anymore, because I'm telling them the truth, then I'll move on, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, and I feel like I can, I can say that if I have to, you know, I can take the risks that I need to. And there's a comfort in being able to take the risks that you need to professionally, yeah. I think is huge. Yeah. Yeah. I know the thread you're talking about. Yeah. And it's, it's horrible. It just, yeah. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know how many people have gone through that. I know I did. Yeah. I don't think it was quite December. I think it was like the very tail end of November. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's awful. And there's yeah. still, there's still people and that. That's a huge thing. Not, yes. you know, when you get to a certain point in your career, whether you're doing it for yourself or whether you're working for another organization where you're like, I know what I know, I know what I'm good at. Yeah. I know what the right answer is. And if, 
that doesn't work for you, then I guess this isn't the right place for me or this isn't the right relationship, right? And, and you right. get to that point and it is immensely freeing. Yes. Uh, when you do get there. So yes, yes, I hear you completely (laughs) on that one. So you have been in the tech space for most of your career in one way, shape or another. If you weren't doing what you did now, if you weren't in the tech space, damn guru, all of the things, what would you be? What is Teresa's alter ego? Uh, It's a tough question to answer because I don't feel, uh, you know, I'm sort of I, I kind of do this on the side anyway. So I, I would be a novelist. Um, I would be just writing. I would be writing creatively. Uh, I spend so much time writing as it is. You know, I write a lot of white papers and, uh, you know, research papers and, uh, yeah. you know, for academia, for technology vendors, for my clients, you know, et cetera. I mean, so I, I write a lot, but uh, I would write creative stories that have nothing to do with marketing. <laughs> you know, I'm not actually, I, you know, as, as I often talk about with our good friend, our good mutual friend, Ian Truscott. Yes. Um, I, I, I don't really like marketing in and of itself. Right. Um, yes. uh, but I love stories. I love stories. And my, you know, I started as in journalism and as a journalist. And so uh, I, w- I would be writing novels. I'd be writing short stories, um, you know, and, and I, I do still write creatively, you know, sometimes I, 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 I write poetry. I write uh, you know, stories really for myself, you know, um, kind of like that expression dance, like no one's watching. I sort of write yeah. like no one's ever going to read it. Uh, so I do a lot of that. Um, and I, and I enjoy that and I, and I, and I treasure that, but I also completely haven't given up on that. You know, I, 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 uh, I, I do want to actually write a novel. A lot of people ask me if I'm ever going to update my digital asset management book. And I say, if I'm going to write another book, I'm definitely not going to write another book on digital asset management. <laughs> I don't feel like I need to do that. Um, so I haven't I haven't given up on that, um, but I also have a great interest in um, pursuing technology that is not actually anything to do with digital asset management. I feel a, a great deal of concern about uh, the environment, about the planet. Uh, you know, I, I am already like planting some seeds that you know. I mean, just thinking about could I, could I work potentially in some some eco tech or some uh, uh, some kind of sustainability? Uh, I've already have been having conversations about that. So. Uh, you know, it's not just a matter of what would I be doing if I wasn't doing this. Yeah. Uh, I, I still always think about what else should I be pursuing to feel fulfilled, you know, in life, but also to to um, just to be a better person, right? You know, because that's that's part of it, isn't it? It's just you know, what should we be doing every day to be a better person? You know, so think about that. Absolutely, which is a beautiful segue because that in itself could be the answer. But for our listeners, particularly the women in our audience, what would be your best piece of advice, whether it's life, career, success, happiness, whatever you want to share? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a, a tough question because I, I, um, I, I have two. There's like two totally different sides of this that I that I think of. So, um, I, everyone always says you have to do what makes you happy. You have to do what you love. Um, but I, I've particularly think um, for, especially for, for women and, and, and younger women earlier in the career, don't, I want to say, just don't be afraid to follow the money, um, which, which might seem contradictory to those, to those things uh, potentially. But I think part of the reason I came to London um, was because I, I followed the money, you know, and this is why people go to New York or LA or, yeah. you know, the big cities of the world. Um, and, and this is why, okay, you know, you move to the middle of nowhere and sit behind your zoom screen and all this, but you know, if, if, uh, if, if you, if you want to experience things, you know, that are, uh, big business and whether it's the arts, whether it's, 
you know, whatever, whatever it is, big shows, big, you know, lots of different people, diversity of experience, diversity of people from lots of different countries. I mean, part of the reason I love being here is because there's just people from everywhere and there's every type of business you can imagine and every type of, you know, theater performance you can imagine, every type of museum you can imagine. Um, you know, but part of it was because I followed the money, you know, and, yeah. and, and I knew this was a, this was a city that had a lot of investment and had a lot of yeah. uh, startups and had a lot of opportunity. And so, uh, and, and definitely when you're, when, and I've seen it too, managing teams um, in my, in my prior uh, businesses where I had, you know, big teams, uh, you know, women need to be less afraid to ask for more, right? right. And need to never, don't, you know, don't believe that you're not worth it. Don't undervalue yourself. Uh, you know, you, you have to, you have to ask. And I always asked and, you know, I didn't always, didn't always get it, but um, you know, you have to, you have to continue to believe in your worth and you have to pursue it and don't be afraid to, to, to follow the, the money. I love that. I think that's absolutely just spot on advice. Um, as I have said, my kids are university age, so our daughter is just getting in, she's just started her master's, which will go into a PhD. So you talk about perpetual student. Um, and she's in medical biophysics as her course of study. So, you know, she has two routes she can go. She can stay in academia and, you know, work at an incredible school like U of T or, or the rest of, you know, the bunch of other ones. I said, be prepared for when the pharmas start knocking on your door. That's right. And, you know, think about, does it really matter who's paying you to be smart? Yeah. If ultimately it gets... Yeah. Yeah. You know, you get to do what you love and whatever. So, you know, try not big, to sit too high on your horse. Cause... <laughs> big life decisions. Yeah, no, these, these are big life decisions. Aren't yeah. they? I mean, I'm, I'm, I have said no to many clients or potential yes. clients, prospects that I did not ethically agree with what they did. You know, right. I remember there was one, I won't say who it was, but there was like a big food company in the U.S. and and they were, they were known for sort of their history of polluting the environment. And I was like, I'm right. sorry, I'm just not going to do anything for you, you know? And so you have to... You know, when you do get those calls and you do have people that are interested in, in what you're doing, you, you do have to make compromises. It's not, I'm not saying follow the money, but of course you, you also can't. Oh, of course. In any way. And I think that yeah. that's important too. And some people will be happy um, not doing that. But, you know, personally for me, I, I think this is uh, part of what I can attribute is like I came to a city where there was, like I said, investment, yeah. um, you know, financial hub, all that kind of stuff. And I think that that's really helped with, with my career in a lot of ways. Absolutely. All right. This has been amazing. Um, I know nobody can find you for the next six weeks or so, but generally speaking, <laughs> where, where can the audience find you from a web social upcoming speaking events? Yeah, I'm kind of, yeah, you're right. At this point, I don't really want to be found right now, but um, I mean, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn, of course. Uh, I do post LinkedIn occasionally. Um, but I admit, I, I don't, I don't have a blog or anything like that, but I have Teresa Regley.com is my sort of personal sort of portfolio is what I'll say. I've got my keynotes up there. I've got some videos up there, interviews, um, a little bit of my, my history up there. And then my company is voxveritasdigital.com. Uh, we're a small team, just three of us, but, uh, uh, you can find us there, read a little bit more about our work and, um, I'm going to be, I've got a couple of events committed to next year. I can definitely say, the Digital Asset Management Conference in London, run by Henry Stewart Events, which will be the last weekend in June. Uh, I'll be chairing a track on digital asset management for marketing technology leaders. Uh, so it's sort of the advanced, I'll call it the advanced track. It's for people who have a lot of experience at DAM already that are doing stack integrations and that are kind of taking their DAM to the next level. So 
that's the main event that I'm planning for right now. Um, I'm also going to be teaching an online course in February after I get back from my trip, uh, which is going to be specifically on digital asset management in museums uh, and all about how digital asset management can get uh, integrated across museum use cases. Um, oh, so very cool. A specific industry vertical course. I think that's February 6th, whatever that first Tuesday in February is. All right. I will, uh, I will get all of that into the, the notes, the show thank notes. You. Teresa, thank you so much for today's conversation. I loved learning more about how you got to be where you are today and what's going on in London and whatnot. So thank you for sharing your, your wisdom and your experience. It's, it's been amazing. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. And I'm looking forward. I'm glad to hear you're coming to London early next year so we can get to Yes, yes. So we'll, we'll connect then. And to my audience, thank you for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Teresa and hearing about taking how taking charge of your life and taking some risks, both personal and professional, can lead you to amazing experiences and bring you joy in your day-to-day. And if you're keen to hear more amazing stories from amazing women, you can head over to unchartedjourneys.net and listen to some of the other episodes. You can also sign up to our email list and check out the link and the resources in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. And until then, enjoy the journey. I'll tell you what I-